and I'm going into the cervical orgasm and then he can literally pick it up from me and we kind of enter this kind of orb of light. We just become one. It's so beautiful. Welcome to the Sensuality Academy podcast, where I share tangible techniques to help you embody your femininity, enhance your sex life, and elevate your relationships. I'm your host, Eleanor Hadley, sensuality coach and founder of Sensual Yoga. Now let's unleash your inner sensualista. Hello and welcome to the Sensuality Academy podcast. So in my work, I teach a lot about sexuality and of course, one of the major themes of the podcast is to help you enhance your sex life. Naturally, the topic of orgasms comes up frequently in my work and it's always so much fun sharing with the students who aren't aware that there are multiple different types of orgasms that us vulva owners are capable of achieving. None more elusive, though, than the almighty cervical orgasm. So, I decided to bring an expert onto the show today to explore what the hell a cervical orgasm even is, how to achieve one, and how it's vastly different from the old faithful clitoral orgasm. Our guest today, Olivia Bryant, is the founder of Self Cervix, a global movement educating about the orgasmic potential of the cervix. In today's episode, Olivia and I have a really wonderful chat about the transcendental nature of cervical orgasms and how this type of orgasm is often overlooked, even by medical professionals. We also explore the process of de-armoring and resensitizing the area from potential numbness and why orgasms can often lead to big emotional releases. I had such a fun time talking to Olivia, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of this episode too. If you're wanting to really unlock your orgasmic potential, settle in and enjoy. And before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you, if you want to learn more about how to become a more orgasmic person and dive into all things pleasure and orgasm, consider getting a group of friends together either in person, if you're based in Southern Queensland or the Northern Rivers region, or online via Zoom for my signature pleasure party private workshops. I've had students host pleasure parties for birthday celebrations, girls' nights, bachelorette parties, and more. And it's a really, really fun way to learn more about pleasure, orgasms, sexuality, and to ask all of those burning questions in a really safe space among friends and, of course, with me. Plus, they're just so, so much fun. To book your own pleasure party now, head to eleanorhadley.com slash pleasure party. All right, my loves, let's learn all about the cervix. Enjoy. Hello, Olivia, and thank you so much for coming on to the Sensuality Academy podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Eleanor. I'm so excited to talk about the cervix always. <laughs> yes, amazing. So let's dive straight in. For my listeners who are like, what the hell is a cervix? How would you describe it? What is the cervix? Yeah, great question. You know, when I started this work, I, I really took for granted that like actually there's such limited knowledge of the cervix. You start to understand what the cervix is often, you know, not until you start thinking about having a baby. <laughs> And, you know, the, so the cervix is sitting at the base of your uterus. It's, it forms the neck of your uterus. So 
you can imagine your big billowy uterus and then it kind of funnels down into a smaller section which protrudes into the vaginal passage so it feels like a bit of a like a donut inside your vagina so if you were to go like fishing up around in your vagina and then you kind of worked your way around you know you might find a sort of a, a lumpy form of tissue and it's amazing to me how many people think that they have some kind of growth inside of their vagina but it's not a growth it's your cervix it feels like the tip of your nose so if you were to feel this kind of harder tissue you know it's through the cervix that we obviously bleed the cervix produces a whole bunch of cervical mucus to keep the vagina clean and any protect the uterus from having any bacteria going up and inside of it. So it's a very, very beautiful, important organ. Um, mostly we think when we think about the cervix, we think about going to the gynecologist and having a pap smear. Maybe we've had HPV or cervical dysplasia, you know, or that's abnormal cells on the cervix. Some people, a lot of people have had the let's procedure. So it's very medicalized. You know, you might have had an IUD put in there, abortions or uh, miscarriages or difficulty during birth. So many things impact the cervix. So it, it is a very medicalized. But what people don't know is that it is actually within your genital anatomy. It has the most neural connections to your brain than any other part of your sexual anatomy. So it's it's very sensitive. And this means that not only can it feel pain, but it can also feel pleasure and an, a lot of pleasure. The, the reason why I'm doing this work is that I'm trying to move the conversation from primarily about medicalization and reproduction to also hey, you know, your cervix can be included in your sexual play. And actually, you can have the most profound uh, orgasmic experiences through the cervix, literally mind-blowing. So it's kind of interesting to me that this is a part of our sexual anatomy that is pretty much ignored and medicalized when it is such a potent, powerful place within us. So that's my work, teaching women how to find their cervix and to awaken pleasure at the cervix. I think the other thing that's really important is if you look at a, a medical textbook, you'll see your vagina kind of like a, a tube going upwards, and then you'll see the cervix and the uterus like sitting right at the top. But the uterus is like a floating organ. It's held by ligaments, so it moves. So if your uterus, it, most people do not have a cervix that's like right at the top of the vagina. Often it's kind of off to the side or to the back or to the front. And when I first started, also I was like feeling up right at the top and I was like, hmm, I must be on my cervix. It must be somewhere around here. Not really feeling much, just a bunch of tissue, right? And I just kind of thought, oh, well, it must be there. And it wasn't until one day when I was just like, hmm, well, I might as well see what else is in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> that I just kind of went like freestyling inside of my vagina and kind of landed on this kind of lump on the left, way over to the left side. So you never know where you're going to find it. <laughs> so interesting. I mean, it's such a wonderful overview of what the cervix is. So thank you very, very much. I think a lot of people, you're right, either would not have heard about what the cervix is. They might have just heard the word, but never really associated it with anything to do with sexuality. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of people, we have all these different parts in our body and unless you're in medicine, you don't really know all the ins and outs. Yeah. So I think that's quite normal. Like I couldn't tell you all the different like ligaments and things going on in my arm, but 
of course, as a sex educator, I can tell you a lot about our genitalia. And that I think is so fascinating and it's really empowering yeah. to actually know oh yeah where things are and why we we have these parts and what they do yeah and especially with the cervix it is something that as you said people talk about when it comes to pregnancy and yeah. not very many other times maybe a pap smear but why do you think it's so important to understand where everything is and what it does in terms of sexuality? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like people want to feel, right? One of the major things that people come to me with is like, I I want to be more orgasmic or I want to have an orgasm and I want to have better sex or I want to have no pain with sex or whatever it is. And the thing that we are conditioned to do is put the responsibility out onto other people or the knowledge out onto other people or the authority, whether it's your doctor, you know, what's going on, or your lover, you know, to, to kind of create an experience for you. And, and really what empowerment is, is recognizing that, you know, knowledge is power and having like full knowledge about how your sexual anatomy works is what's going to completely shift not only how you experience pleasure, you're going to make pleasure your own, but you're also going to be able to share your pleasure with your lovers and teach your lovers how to pleasure you. It's a very kind of old fashioned way of being that is just like this fantasy imagining that we kind of like lie back and then the person of our dreams is going to come along and know exactly the right way to touch us and give us mind blowing orgasms. And even in that language, you know, it's like they give us the orgasm. But the thing is that orgasm and pleasure is ours entirely and anybody that we bring into our body into and connect with through the body they are literally being an assistant to our journey and to our pleasure so they can't do anything they can't they can't I guess be the most amazing assist to our pleasure if we don't know what's going on the more we know the more we can actually open up to experiencing more and more so when I when I started this I was very, very limited in my orgasmic range. You know, like I really struggled. It was it caused a lot of shame for me. I was working as a sexologist, um, helping around shame because that was my major area of stuckness in myself. And so orgasm was really a challenge for me. And, you know, I clitoral orgasm, I was pretty late bloomer in my twenties and I had this huge vibrator that I would need in order to create an orgasmic experience. And so I was relying on a huge amount of stimulation and a huge amount of kind of sensation from an an external object like a machine (laughs) to kind of Mm. do something to me. And yet when it came to me being able to do it for myself, I felt really numb and I felt like, oh my God, it was like a 45 minute mission. I had that kind of mindset. I wasn't, I was really just yeah. about this goal. And then one day I was, you know, I'd gone and had like a, I'd had a bit of a terrible breakup experience and my pelvic muscles were really tight and sore. And I was in Bali and I was like, oh, you know, what better place to kind of take advantage of, you know, having some kind of body work experience, some kind of sexual body work experience. And you know, I suppose I was working in the area. So for a lot of people that would be like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, you didn't. But yeah, I went to the tantric <laughs> healer and he put his finger on my cervix and was like, do you feel this? And I could not feel a thing. My cervix was absolutely mm. numb 
kind of like my clitoris was pretty numb actually. And, mm-hmm. and I knew from my research as a sexologist that the cervix, you know, it is this tantric orgasm, you know, that is the, the portal yeah. of this absolutely mind-blowing, beautiful spiritual experience of an orgasm. And I was like, wow, like mm-hmm. I can't feel this. In my, I cannot even feel it. So yeah. I was like, no wonder my, no wonder my uh, ability to be able to relax into pleasure and feel feels very limited and very stuck because I'm literally numb and detached, and I have no relationship to my cervix, no, not much of a relationship to my internal vagina. Actually, you know, I've, I, yeah. you know, I enjoyed sex, sure, but like did I really know what it was like inside of there? Like all of the, the sensations and the the ligaments and the, what, what was going on in there? I had no idea. So I asked the, I asked the healer, like, what should I do? And this healer said to me, go away and stimulate your cervix, you know, every day, just go away, stimulate your cervix. And I went away and I I started stimulating my cervix and, and it was so, it was so boring, honestly, like, (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't feel a thing and I eventually just yeah. dropped off and didn't practice because I was just like I don't feel anything and you know and then I was like oh I've forgotten my practice so what I did was I started an event on Facebook and I asked if anybody wanted to help join this mission in cervical stimulation um, for 21 days and I thought it would just be a few of my like radical friends in Melbourne that would just like want to jump in <laughs> about 12 of us but actually <laughs> It was 1,200 people from oh the gosh. world, women, people with cervixes, and kind of all staring in my direction saying, okay, well, what do we do? And how do we awaken the cervix? And I was like, oh, God, I have no idea. <laughs> Let's try a few things. And so in this complete place of innocence, I began to explore my internal world, and that included not only my cervix but my G-spot area my vagina in general and everybody else did too and it was a profound experience because for the first time women were I'm shortcutting for women but I'm including all people with cervixes women were touching into a place that perhaps only their doctor had ever touched before and actually starting to claim this part inside of their bodies and be like oh yeah I have a cervix and at the moment, my cervix is numb. Why the heck is that? Or my cervix feels really painful and icky, like I'm at the gynecologist. How could this ever be pleasurable? Mm. And then some people who are really enjoying pleasure and others who are having orgasms. So it was a full yeah. spectrum. There was a lot of kind of even trauma releasing happening because it's a very, you know, the cervix, as I mentioned in the beginning, has to go through a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's medical procedures, you know, birth trauma, like IUD insertion, mm. like, you know, it goes through a lot of stuff. So when you're healing it, there's a lot that can be released as well. And so, yeah, it really became clear that the cervix is a very important part of our, our bodies that we need to start to understand because there, there are so many reasons, you know, like I guess the cervix is what taught me to feel more empowered in general in my not only sexually but also when I go to the doctors because I realized the extent to which my body had been done to as in doctors were doing things to my cervix like you know you know the pap smears you get like 15 minutes you have to quickly undress and they make small talk as they can like put this thing inside of you and like oh it's just kind of like Mm. this really rushed and weird process and 
and then I feel ill just thinking. Yeah, about right. <laughs> just kind of done to you and realizing, and even with you know maybe pushing through some painful sex, um, maybe opening mm-hmm. my body for sex because I wanted to, but I really wasn't ready. But feeling like yeah. I wanted to be that open, sensual, like available sexual woman, but really not feeling that totally ready yet but but you know I partner with men so men can really quite easily get aroused so there's a little bit of pressure when I was young I younger I felt a lot of pressure to kind of like be ready faster so I think that really had an impact on how much I could feel inside of myself as well because when that happens you have to tense up your body to avoid feeling pain when you're not ready to open or you might be a little drier And so when I realized the impact to my cervix, it really made me start to kind of start to take some charge over over who was going to enter my body and how and when, because I didn't want my cervix to have to like, I didn't, I wanted my cervix to wake up and feel pleasure. I didn't want my cervix to be in this like perpetual state of fright and shock. I wanted my cervix to feel like, okay, it's safe to relax it's safe to relax and open and feel. And, and to do that, I, I really had to slow down, tell, like I now when I go to a pap smear, I'll actually put the, put the speculum in myself and then I will tell the doctor, I'll just take a breath and I'll pause and I'll tell the doctor, I'll say, okay, you can enter now with the swab. Like I'll tell the doctor. I think that's so powerful to really take ownership of like, this is my body and I'm going to give you permission, Yes, but I need to tune in. Yes. And that's right. And it's, and it goes even deeper than the doctor asking for your permission, because if you think about it, that means this is procedure for them, but this is a procedure for you. So I get to say when I'm ready for you to enter me, you know, this is my body and my procedure for my health. So you know, so, and in the same really uh, kind of happened with lovers as well. You know, I was in bad habits with some of my, the ways I was having sex, you know, and, you know, kind of going along with their pace or going along with touch that wasn't really, it was fine, but it, was I really asking for what I wanted? Was I really getting the kind of touch that I needed? Did I even know what I needed? And so, Mm. I had to kind of understand these things so that I could have some authority in those situations and actually, you know, be more powerful in, in the bedroom, honestly. And, and I don't mean in a, I don't mean in, cause I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh yeah, but what about flow and surrender and all of that stuff? And I'm like, yeah, that's there as well. And if you don't feel confident and safe enough to be able to say, pause, stop, go like this, like that, you know, any of those things, then, then if, if you don't feel that kind of level of safety, then it's much harder to drop into flow and surrender. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So those things have to be in place, you know, first and cheap. It took me. I mean, it's less, it's, it's easier in a relationship when, where you can actually, where you can actually create these kind of containers and communication and like really go into that. But I think there were, you know, a lot of the time in my process, I was kind of having, having sex with new partners, you know? And so I always felt so vulnerable. Like I, I knew that what I was, 
the way I was entering the, the experience was probably a little different than just the usual like, oh, yeah, let's kind of hook up, you know, like, you know, we kiss, we get it on, we touch a bit, wham, wham, you know, it's kind of nice <laughs> and fun. But like, yeah, really, I'd had enough bad experiences, especially with more casual kind of experiences to know like, oh, we actually need, I just need to create a bit of communication first. And like, so there's some things that I do, like one of the things that I recommend to everybody is um, Betty Martin's three minute game and it's on YouTube and it's mm. a really beautiful way of learning to ask for what you want and learning to take what feels good for you so part of that is first of all learning back to your question it's learning what is good for you and then asking someone asking someone to touch you that way and 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 this three minute game which is free on youtube it it kind of creates this really great little container and it's easy and it's not too intimidating Mm. (laughs) but it's really really good to understand if the person that you're about to let into your body is kind of, I'm just going to say worthy, you know, like if they can actually feel themselves, if they actually, you know, are they just going to push on through and sorry to be crass, but masturbate inside of you, you know? Oh my gosh, exactly. And how many, I think like a lot of people listening have had that experience where they just feel like, oh, you just kind of used me to to jerk off yes and it's awful mm. it's awful because you're like oh like are you having sex just to have sex are you having sex with That's me right yeah I want to ask um because I know a lot of people will hear us talk about this like transcendental experience and anytime I teach about cervical orgasms or just orgasms in general and I get to the cervical one and I say there's only one word I can use to describe it and it is transcendental yeah I know for me, my experience of having cervical orgasms is it's like I'm on another planet. Yeah. It's like somehow I just trans transform into this like this whole environment where it's like I'm smelling colors, like I'm I, I just feel like I am in another world. And it it really is like that mind blowing. Yeah. That word mind blowing, that I feel it really describes the transcendental feeling yeah. of a cervical orgasm. Yeah. So how would you describe it? And yeah, like what, what does it feel like for you? And what do you think other people can experience? Yeah. Well, I also want to say from what I've understood, from what I've heard and all the different testimonies, it's different for everybody. I'm not sure why. I'm wondering if it, if it, you know, some people see things, some people, like you said, smell colors. Um, Yeah. Like it seems to be different. So it's really hard for me to say, this is what it's like for everyone. I think it is, I'm not sure how, uh, I'm going to, I'll share my experience and I can share Mm -hmm. other experiences, but you'll, you'll see like, it's just a, a range, but always it's like this otherworldly, other dimension kind of sex. Mm -hmm. so for me how do you even explain it uh uh, (laughs) it's so hard to explain uh all right so I feel like I um become light and I disappear into like a bolt of lightning I suppose is the best way I can describe it and it just happens again and again so this lightning bolt this kind of sense of like exploding into light happens again and again 
And what's crazy is that my partner has exactly the same visuals. And, and so when he's inside of me and we're both, we're both able to access this. So he accesses it through being in contact with my cervix, which blows my mind also. Wow. (laughs) He accesses it only through my body. How crazy is that? That's incredible. And I think that I've had the same experience where like I'm, it's like I'm sharing my cervical orgasm with them and I feel like they have a really beautiful like energetic orgasm at the same time. It's like this, it's just, it's just so much energy and it sounds so strange for people who haven't experienced it well and it can be kind of this thing of like uh, I feel like I'm speaking another language but like you just got to trust me it it's incredible but I I know that cervical orgasms are not necessarily something that you can just like really just try really hard to get they're not that easy necessarily to get no I'll talk about that in a minute I want to talk about that because it's really really important I I just want to add like yeah it's it's crazy because when, when he surrenders into me, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm going into the cervical orgasm and then he can literally pick it up from me and we kind of enter this kind of orb of light. We just become one. It's so beautiful. And then afterwards, wow. I, I remember when it first started happening between us. It was pretty instant actually with this guy that I'm with. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking at him and being like, First of all, who are you? Why are we, Why do we get to experience this? What are we supposed to do with this information? Who are you to me? <laughs> and, and I was just like, are you an alien? Are we aliens? <laughs> How did I find you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fucking, it's so crazy. So, um, yeah, but I also want to say that, yeah, like I've been on this journey of healing for five years so it yeah. was in about four and a half years into my journey. Uh, it was it's that things started to open up, just general sensitivity and my ability to like relax. Mainly, my ability to relax kind of took about took years. So I just want to mm. say, like, for, for, it really depends on on your body, your your the trauma that you carry, your life circumstances, your devotion and your dedication. Some people. You know, some people just can seem to be able to easily access it. I have no idea why. I do think that, you know, you know, it could be neural wiring, but I do believe that we all have nuances in our neural wiring, but I don't believe that some of us, you know, just don't have the capacity. And there's some lucky people that do, and there's some unlucky people that don't. I think we all do, but we have got each of us have different kind of stories that we're embodying that we have to unravel and discover. We have to kind of find our way there. And so it's kind of like I as I mentioned at the beginning, orgasm was never easy for me. And and I think mm. I've I've held a lot of embodied shame, a lot of trauma in my body. And it's intergenerational as well. It's taken me a long time to unwrap unwind it. I still feel sometimes like I don't have amazing sex all the time, by the way, like sometimes, yeah. um, you know, sometimes we, we have really not great sex <laughs> sometimes, you know, and, and yeah. we have to try and keep it real. Like we've realized we have very human sex. We have what we call interstellar sex and we have hybrid sex somewhere in between. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think that's so important. Cause I know that like for, for anybody listening who, you know, maybe is very, very early in your sexual awakening journey 
you know, I think that it can be quite intimidating sometimes to listen to people talk about these transcendental orgasms and this beautiful connection and they're just not having that themselves or they're not feeling capable of it. Like even the people who, yeah, even the people who are um, sex educators, like it's not like we're having this like eight hour long sessions of interstellar sex every single day. We're all human. And I mean, I talk a lot in my work about what I call gourmet sex versus snack sex. Like mm. you don't sit down and have a gourmet Michelin star meal three times a day, every single yeah. day of your life, but you do have them and it's, it's beautiful to have it here and there. Yeah. But snacks are also great, but you can't live off snacks. You can't just eat chips 24 seven and expect to feel nourished. I remember being that woman, you know, and listening to these kind of mm. conversations, feeling kind of, you know, many things, disappointed, yeah. pissed off, resentful, envious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wishful. Yes, all of it. What I kind of want to say is I really want to remind people like, you know, to just try to avoid comparing, try to what my work really focuses on is what is there and what is present now for you to feel like really maximize the pleasure through through mindful awareness and, and really celebrate the tiniest little pieces of pleasure. And over time and more and more relaxation and self-acceptance and allowing you kind of, you know, you move into a place where this slowly grows and you can feel more and more. It's kind of, I, I actually say this is why having some kind of meditation practice can be really, really useful because the process of learning how to feel and relax, it is a very meditative focused practice. You know, you can't have your mind wandering all over the place. You have to know what it feels like to, to really deeply embody. And for many of us, for many of us, um, embodiment is really challenging. And when I say embodiment, I mean the ability to not just be up in the head all the time. I'm a very, very heady person. I'm a warrior. I have, I'm pretty anxious by nature. So for me, it's a long journey for me to like, just be able to relax into the body. It took me so long to learn how to do this. And you know, I'm just going to be really honest and say I'm a massive believer in plant medicines. They were a huge I'm, I'm quite radical and I'm quite on the edge. So I know that this won't be very relatable to a lot of people. But one of the things that I did to, to heal trauma was I worked with psilocybin mushrooms, as well as doing um, my own embodied, what we call de-armoring through my work is like releasing the trauma intention all the way from the pelvis through to the throat. But I also used medicine, like these plants are here as our allies to help. And, you know, the psilocybin, I don't think it's legal yet in Australia, but it's having such amazing results around the world for all sorts of, you know, huge amount of things. And then also um, I found in my early years of exploring just a little bit of cannabis oil was really good for helping me just relax into my body. So I know that that's not going to be accessible for everybody, but for those of you who are open to it, who find really difficult to relax, those things can help you learn. So for me, the plant was a teacher. It helped me learn how to feel and then I could integrate it and bring my mind there without it so it was just another tool to use so I like to drop that in now these days yeah beautiful and I think that you know there are so many different avenues different tools available these days and whether or not you have access to certain things yeah I think that that point of just finding what it is for you that helps you get out of your head and into your body. Yes. 
And I know for me, it's like it's sensual movement. It's allowing myself to just flow and move and put on an amazing song and put some candles and just sort of get down and dirty on the ground. (laughs) That's what does it for me. And then I feel so much more juicy in my body. Oh, my God. I've had so many experiences on a dance floor. I swear to God, dancing to great music is an absolute winner for getting out of your head and into your body. It is. It's. It's. It does it every time for me. I just feel amazing. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on this. Um, this idea of dearmoring, because I know a lot of people hear this, and I know that you sell the wands as well that are specifically for cervical dearmoring. Can you talk us through what it means to dearmor? Why do we need to dearmor, and what are the benefits of it? I think I was saying earlier, like that there are so many reasons why you know, orgasmic states are inaccessible to us. And we can like lump orgasm orgasm in with expression and emotion because it's all movements of energy. When we have experienced any kind of trauma or any kind of shaming or just conditioning around, you know, living in this world where there's certain acceptable ways of being and unacceptable ways of being and emotions might have been shamed in your family or sex might have been unspoken you know you you over time learn to block what becomes natural to you and orgasm is actually very very natural when we're in our most natural state this orgasmic energy can flow and in emotions are the same look at a little baby it's just flowing through emotions flowing and then then as a kid, you might get taught, no, don't cry, you know, set, go to your room, you're behaving badly or whatever it is. And over time, we learn that certain things we have to shut down and we have to literally kind of put a block in place. You know, if you felt that lump in your throat because you're pushing the cry down because your vagus nerve is basically telling you it's not safe to cry and it's like suppressing your cry and that you could call begins to create an armoring another kind of armoring would be any kind of physical trauma where you know if you think about it if you if you punch your arm it will start to hurt after a while if you keep punching so it's giving you an indication like oh my god now back off go away like I'm hurting I'm hurting so that's like a little bit of armoring begins to happen so it's telling me to go away then if I keep smacking my arm it's going to numb out to protect itself So the armoring occurs in the tissue of our body as a protective mechanism. And it's basically a response to the nervous system of like defense response. So it's like, it's physical and emotional. So, you know, you might've heard our emotions can store in the body and we can have them blocked. They get blocked in particular areas in the body. So when you stimulate particular parts, some of your listeners might've had massages and cried or had a, a sexual experience and cried. It's because, because whatever your that practitioner or your lover is pressing into, it's holding emotional, emotional memory. And so the process of de-armoring is allowing us to release our guards, to soften the tissue where we might have created protective walls to prevent from feeling pain during sex. So it's like lumpy tissue or just energetic right and so when we touch into these places we can create a release and then we can start to access more sensitivity and we can start to relax more because 
there's more safety present in the tissue. The tissue no longer feels like, oh, I've got a hole, I've got to like block, I don't want to feel. It's like, no, you've taught your tissue by beautiful touch, like it's safe, it's safe, you can relax, you can release. When you go to a massage because you've got sore muscles, you're essentially getting them to release the armor that you've built up. You know, think about like the tension that you might hold around your neck and shoulders. You know, we hold protectively. My pelvic floor, I'm in my car driving in so much traffic and I feel my pelvic floor is like pulling up. It's just like on guard. And so the de-armoring is just releasing all the ways we have to hold. So sometimes in life, you know, like we need a certain amount of armoring. You know, it's just we can't just walk around completely vulnerable. We, we sort of need a little bit of armoring. But when it comes to being able to relax into intimacy, we need to be able to le- release the guard. We need to be able to release and let go and open up and be available and be allowing and uh, and not block and push away and protect and hide. So the work is about, yeah, clearing and releasing and the ones, you know, at the physical level, it's 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 about massaging out. But we also we also diama our hearts and our throats, and we clear all the ways that we might have protected our hearts or stopped our expression, and so we become free. So, so you know, when we I, I would say like when we go towards cervical orgasm, we're moving to, closer and closer towards our most natural state of being, and I see this as a continual process that's what self-cervix release journey is all about it's like we have to continually work on this because life happens we get re-traumatized or triggered or we get get anxious and stressed and and our body's holding it or we might have had a really shitty sexual experience and you know now we feel like you know terrible you know i I have this you know like we might be feeling vaginal pain and now we need to get yeah have some de-armoring done to just release the pain and the tension so yeah it's really 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 instrumental I think you know in terms of vaginally we are very very good at at holding our pelvic floors up and tight that's part of a stress response because the pelvic floor is very dynamic It, it is supposed to be able to pull up but it's also supposed to be able to relax down completely and it's also supposed to be able to move beyond that relaxation into a kind of pushing out movement. So we're very practiced at pulling up. So we're learning how to relax in the opposite direction so that when it comes to sex, you know, you don't have to do anything during sex. You don't have to like squeeze your pelvic floor, tighten your pussy. You don't have to do any of that. Like if you are in a completely optimal state of relaxation, your vagina will do what your vagina knows how to do best at its optimal state, which is to contract and ex- relax and contract and relax and contract into orgasm. Amazing. I think that so many people do have this, this idea that, yeah, you need to be tight. And I, I feel like everybody listening while you were just speaking was probably sitting there trying to think, oh, am I tightening it? Okay, trying to relax our pelvic floor. 
I, I think that the the act of dearmoring is such a beautiful thing, and I know I've done some work on that as well. But I love that you mentioned that it's not just about the physical dearmoring, using a glass wand um, inside the actual vaginal walls and um, the cervix, but also about dearmoring your heart and your throat so that you can feel and express. Yeah, I think that's that's a gorgeous point. Yeah, I mean, I actually ended up having to make an entire program. We called it self partnership because I just mm. noticed, you know. Relating is so hard. <laughs> you know, dating is so it. hard and it can trigger all of our wounding, you know. And and yeah. so what I realized was that, yeah, you can dearmor your vagina as much as you want, but if you're blocked at your heart, if you're like, you know, in relational dynamics that are that are causing you stress and emotional pain, or if you're really dealing with a lot of emotional old wounding, it doesn't matter how much vaginal dearmoring you do like you know what I know about cervical orgasm is you know it it is a full-hearted state of love like yeah it is a full-hearted state of love and you can't have a cervical orgasm and be pissed off with your partner (laughs) totally and when I've experienced it it's been with someone that I am madly in love with and I feel so beyond safe with them yeah um and I know that they care deeply about me and my pleasure and that is what allowed me to just go there yes and it's really special but you'd be surprised how many of us myself included like I spent a lot of time compromising myself in relationships you know like shift changing myself or like or like not speaking my needs or compromising in some way to like please the other and oh man that just creates so much tension in the body which is exactly the opposite of what we need so part of the work you know I mentioned way in the beginning of the call about like stepping into your power and and having authority over your body it's actually it's like it's like seeing yourself as a sovereign being and and also taking responsibility for your heart's journey as well and really like taking learning how to take care of yourself in relationship so in that might mean you know setting boundaries speaking your needs making requests sharing your feelings you know which so many of us now i just see we we're very scared of being called needy or demanding or like pushing a partner away or like you know settling for casual when we really want a commitment or whatever it is you know it's like we just you know oh, yeah. the heart piece that's going to lead the cervical piece i think Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We could do an entire episode about the importance of boundaries and yeah. all, all of those things. I think that's that's wildly important. There was something that I wanted to ask before I let you go about this this cervical orgasm and the fact that the cervix has these three nerves connected mm. to it. Because I know that some people listening are like, well, why cervical? Like, why aren't you doing an entire episode about the clitoral orgasm? And it's because the cervical orgasm is quite unique. Can you explain to us briefly like, what, what these three nerves are and why cervical orgasms are quite different to other orgasms that we can experience in our body? So I just want to say like, uh, all orgasms are going to feel different and all orgasms serve a different purpose, I think. I like to say that... I don't like to put orgasms on a scale of hierarchy. I like to say they're all medicine. Each one has a different thing that they can offer. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Just a little caveat on that. I am, that was the next question I was going to ask you, but I share the same perspective that orgasms should not be placed on a hierarchy. We're not saying cervical is the best one and clitoral sucks. 
I know that so many sex educators out there like insist that, you know, clitoral orgasms are far too easy and that we should stop having them. But I love that you feel the same way. <laughs> like clitoral orgasms are an amazing medicine. And I, so I value every single kind of orgasm that we can have. So that's really important. So the three nerves of the cervix, that they're, they're paired nerves, which means that there's one going left and one going right, which is really unique. I don't know that there's any other organ in the body that has these, this three paired nerve connection. So um, the hypogastric nerve, the pelvic nerve, and the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, I think, is what allows us to have this very tripped out experience. We, we theorize, we have a theory that DMT is released in the brain. Um, and that is the active ingredient in plant medicine, which is why I got interested in plant medicine. Wow. So it's the yeah. it's the active ingredients in like ayahuasca, uh, which is a psychedelic, psychoactive plant uh, material, so or substance within the plant. Um, and so we, we believe, and, and we can't prove it, but it definitely feels that way that that DMT is released because of the vagus nerve connection. So so I think that that like. So, I mean, I suppose we've already answered why it's, it's so unique, but the interesting thing is that the, the, the main uh, kind of teaching in the world of sexology is that the clitoris is needed really for all kind of, for all orgasms that the clitoris is involved. So um, with the cervix, that is completely not the case. So, so the cervix, we know for sure that it can be orgasmic without any input from the clitoris and we know that because of science studies on women with, with spinal cord injuries with no connection to the clitoris could still feel the cervix and still have a cervical orgasm it's a beautifully independent orgasmic organ so you have to think about the clitoris the nerve the clitoris the the pudendal nerve is more surface it's closer to the surface and so that's why you can access it like from the outside, you know, even though the clitoris moves deep into the body, the, the, the nerves actually go right to the, the vulva. So, yeah. So I guess that's why maybe people say there's this kind of thing. Oh, it's easier. Yeah, sure. It's, it's easier to access. I understand that it's easier to access. I, I think what, I think what is, what the challenge is with the cervix is it does kind of take a bit, you know, seems like, People, not everybody's that comfortable going inside of themselves. Um, people confront shame. People don't like the experience of fingering themselves, like they feel a bit repulsed. So there is a little bit of a edge maybe that potentially makes clitoral stimulation quote unquote easier because perhaps, you know, you know, you can have a clitoral orgasm when you're feeling pissed off and stressed. That's one of the beautiful things about its medicine. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. A little stress release. Like I, I think that you're so right. There is different medicine and different types of orgasms. Yeah. And it's not that that is the easiest and therefore like the worst. Yeah. I think so many sex educators out there just say, oh no, stop touching it altogether. And look, I think that there's definitely benefit in saying, I'm going to give it a break mm -hmm. while I explore my internal vagina and the different types yeah. of orgasms available in there and perhaps cervical. Yeah. But when we just say all together, stop doing that, only ever use crystal ones, you're not allowed to use vibrators, it creates this extra layer of sexual shame that I feel like, aren't we trying to get rid yes, of that? Like, let's just let ourselves do what we want to exactly. do. Do what you want to do. I always just say, 
whatever you want to do, whatever works for you, I am never going to tell you what to do with your body. I'm going to tell you what I did for my body, which is going to be a suggestion for what you could try. But always you've got to ask yourself, is this right for me? And, you know, like I also feel a resistance, you know, in the in the kind of sacred sexuality spaces. It's very much like no clitoral orgasms, like completely take that off the table. And I can say that, you know, while I was really, you know, I did, I was so, so, so numb. I did actually, I was pretty disciplined in my first year. I did, like, I definitely went to my clitoris, but not as much. And, and I can tell you that now it's possible for me to have cervical orgasms and also be having clitoral orgasms, probably not really at the same time, but like, and probably not, probably not in the same Mm -hmm. session either. Like I usually, I usually... Yeah, like it's a very different way of it's a different style of sex actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I for for me when I'm teaching in the release journey, we say like give it a break for a month. Yeah. Just give it a break for a month and like try try this, you know, try this as your practice. Yeah. And then if you want to have a clitoral orgasm, have a clitoral orgasm and then have a break for a month. You know, so we sort of it's not this indefinite thing. But, you know, we are trying to, you know, the clitoral orgasm for me, that path, that neural pathway was extremely dominant. Yeah. And, you know, I was so used to it. So I really needed to learn and feel and learn how to habituate a different neural pathway. Um, so that's what self-cervix really is. It's about retraining this new pathway. That doesn't mean you have to take the other one off altogether. But for me, it's like, okay, we'll just be mindful if you're if you're like defaulting to the clitoris all the time, make sure that you're spending at least most of the practice inside of you, sensitizing yourself. If you need to default to the clitoral orgasm, just also don't don't forget about your internal world altogether. Like the thing with the clitoral orgasm, because it can be used for self soothing, some people find they can move into a bit of a trap with it, where it, it has like the the dopamine, the reward system gets kicked in, and so they can end up in in sort of addictive cycles and so I don't want to make any wrong about that at all but the invitation is if you notice that you're kind of using it or overusing it you know like four three times a day or something just to like calm you down it's just really interesting to notice what is the emotion behind it is there anything else that you're avoiding feeling and and see if you can be with that and then have your clitoral orgasm. Do you know what I mean? So so I think that that's the caveat that I put around the clitoral orgasm is that is that it has its medicine. Like it's kind of it's really interesting we could take it back to substances, you know, like some substances like um cannabis, it has its medicine, but then you can also slide into a sort of dependence, I suppose. And so it's an interesting kind of conversation because yeah it's your body you can do with it what you like and my interest is in learning how to feel more and learning how to open the flow of like big energy through the body so if you are if clitoral orgasm is a way to it can be used as a way to avoid feeling some things so you might not be ready to feel those things I just noticed that you know I would often I would default to clitoral orgasms quite a bit when I was feeling really lonely and I just wanted to feel something else. <laughs> so it was kind of like a way to kind of just, you know, yeah, it was good medicine. But I, I never went into mm. sort of the addictive cycle of chasing the dopamine hit. 
So it's curious. I know that that can be triggering for some people to hear. So I, I, I share that with a lot of compassion. There's no wrong. It's just just interesting to notice and to just um, to see if it feels right for you because if it feels right, it's fine. If it does, if you feel like it's if it's undermining what you really want, then it's something else to look at. That's all. Yeah, I think there's always just this level of introspection, you know, just inquiring with yourself and being true with yourself, and that's that's a a muscle to build in itself. But it can be really, really powerful to recognize what your motives are behind different types of orgasms. But thank you so much. I, I'm sure that everybody listening is so grateful to learn more about the cervical orgasm and all the different levels and the layers um, attached to what the cervix represents and how you can feel and tap into different things. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. It's been such a pleasure to have you um, today. And I'd love to get you to share a little bit more about how people can find you, how people can work with you and learn more about awakening their cervix. Yeah, we actually have uh, coming up Um, I think it's going to be end of May or June. We're going to have a five-day free cervical awakening challenge. So that's a really great way to join and just kind of explore for yourself where what you can feel and where your blocks might be and what's coming up for you and it's free. So that'll be in June sometime. You can join our initiation journey anytime and, and that's a beautiful entry into the cervix. So you can find that on our Instagram bio link. You can also download a free guide on dearmoring over there as well. And there's also a free meditation on clearing sexual shame right now. So all of that is free, but the initiation is the the current way to enter into the program and the program runs the second half of the year. So yay. <laughs> yeah. That's how you can find me. Instagram mainly. Amazing. And your, your handle is just at self-service. Is that correct? Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, I'll put all of these links in the show notes as well for everybody to find um, nice and easily. And then you can head over and follow Olivia on Instagram at self Cervix as well. Thank you so much for being here today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you all about the cervix and I will speak to you again sometime soon. Before you head off to listen to another episode, I want to tell you about my upcoming six-week course called Embodied. I have had so many people asking me to teach more online because you're all missing out on my in-person workshops. So I've got you. Embodied is an online experience which will help you to drop into your most sensual self. Through video lessons, curated exercises, workbooks, and guided meditations, along with weekly live group coaching sessions with me, we'll explore how to truly feel embodied from the inside out. Each week, we'll dive into a new topic to help you connect deeper with yourself, your pleasure, and your loved ones. We'll explore themes such as self-inquiry and deconditioning, the energetics of feminine and masculine polarity, menstrual cycle awareness, self-intimacy and self-pleasure, sex and orgasm, of course, and relationships and communication. This course is an intensive exploration in my favorite topics to teach and to help you unlock your inner sensualista. Launching in July, waitlist students will receive bonus content plus priority enrollment. To get yourself on the waitlist, 
head to thesensualityacademy.com slash embodied hyphen waitlist, or simply find the link in the episode description and show notes. I cannot wait for you to join me. Let's get embodied.